Hey everyone, welcome to Tom French Preaching. This is the podcast of me, Tom French, preaching, just like the title says. I'm a guy who lives in Melbourne and does Bible talks for youth and other people around Australia and all over the internet. I'm also the author of Weird, Crude, Funny and Nude, The Bible Exposed, the very best book that I have ever written. For more information about my book or to see what else I've been up to, go to my website, tomfrench.com.au. And with that, let's get on with the talk. I'm someone who would like to think of myself as a bit of a film buff. Uh, I have often set myself the task of watching a lot of the classic movies. Now, I love going to the cinema and watching all the normal films. Like, I like the Marvel films, and I like the comedies, and I like, I'll pretty much watch anything at the cinema because I love going to the cinema. But I'm like, if I'm a film buff, I have to watch the classics. And so I've figured out what some of the classics are, and I go and watch them, and I try and enjoy them. But it's difficult. Some of them are great, but some of them I just don't understand. Like, I finish it, and I was like, that was very important. I do not understand what happened at all. One of those films is a film called 2001 A Space Odyssey. Has anyone seen that? Yeah, yeah, look, it's uh, a film. And, uh, and I, I watched it because I'm like, this is a classic film, one of the greatest films of all time. I've got to watch this film. And it's just weird. Like, it starts off with some apes, and they have a fight with some other apes. And then there's a big black thing that emerges. And then they throw a, a bone into the air, which turns into a spaceship millions of years later. And then there's a spaceship. And then things are pretty normal for a while. And there are these guys on a spaceship heading to Jupiter. But then their, um, their artificial intelligence computer, HAL 9000, uh, starts to malfunction, and so the, guy, the men on the spaceship are like, we're going to turn it off, and Hal's like, you will not turn me off, and they're like, yes, we will, and then there's like a battle of wills, and then, you know, you, know, you might have heard, it's like, I, I'm sorry, I can't do that, Dave, and then the computer starts singing, you might have seen that stuff, doesn't matter, because then, after that, it goes really weird, because the guy, the main guy hops in this pod and then flies through space, and there's just colored lights coming at him for like 20 minutes, and I'm like, what is going on? Why is there colored lights for 20 minutes? Just stop. And then he does stop. And the guy wakes up in a room, a white room, with older virgins, versions of himself and younger versions. And, and then there's a baby floating around the earth, and that's the end. <laughs> that's the film. I'm like, that is very strange. <laughs> what is going on? I'm like, it's very important, but I don't understand it. Well, that feeling that I get, is the same feeling I get when I read this passage. <laughs> because I read this and I'm like, that is very important. I do not know what is going on here. So I, uh, I'm sorry, I'm just actually, I have a second microphone on because I work for the FBI. <laughs> so I'm just attaching it. No, I, I just, I record it so I can listen back to myself and cry. But uh, anyway, <laughs> what are we talking about? Right, yes. And so I get this feeling when I read this passage, and it's a really important passage because this is God's word to us, but it's just so dense and hard to understand. But I've spent a few weeks with it. And so what I'm going to try and do is I'm going to try and explain some things to you. And if this passage gets about 10% clearer for you, then that's great. I've done a good job. I'm not going to explain the whole thing because we would be here all night and also I don't understand the whole thing. There are some bits in here where I was reading 
as, as many people as could, and everyone was like, we don't know what this means. No one knows what this means. Paul probably knew what he meant, but no one else has figured it out for the last 2,000 years. So not all of it are we going to figure out, but hopefully enough that we will know Jesus a bit better and love him a bit more and can serve him a bit better. And if there's anything that I don't cover that you want to ask me about, come and ask me and I'll either you know, give you my answer or I'll tell you to go away. Uh, so we'll just see what happens. But we need some context because some of you, you haven't spent the last few weeks in Galatians, so we need to know what's going on. And Paul is writing this letter of Galatians to a church in the place called Galatia, which is why it's called Galatians. And the Galatians are people who have become Christians because Paul came and told them about Jesus. He told them about what Jesus had done for them. They put their trust in him. And then along came some other people after Paul left and said, hey, guys, it's so good that you guys have become Christians. We're so pleased. Great. But just so you know, this whole Christian thing, the Jesus thing, Jesus was a Jew and he is the fulfillment of the Jewish law. And so you are part of a long history of people who have been following God and obeying God's law. So if you want to fully become acceptable to God, then you need to obey God's law as given in the Old Testament. And there are 613 laws there. You can obey them. Laws just like, you know, circumcision and some food laws and some purity laws and some special Sabbath days and festivals. If you obey them, then you'll be acceptable to God. Like, it's great you got your trust in Jesus, but you've got to do these extra things. And these guys were known as the Judaizers because they were trying to uh, turn these people who weren't Jews into Jews, that they would be Jews with Jesus, that that would be the stuff they do. Because Jesus was a Jew, he's part of the Jewish faith, and so you've got to you know, add in all the Jewish stuff to properly be acceptable to God. And so now Paul is writing this letter and he's like, that is absolutely wrong. That is not at all how it works. Because what is going on is that you are saying that it's not just Jesus that saves you, but it's Jesus plus doing these other things, plus the works of the law, the Old Testament. And so that is why Paul is now writing this bit. This is part of his argument to show people why you don't need to obey the law to be saved by God. You don't need to obey the law to be acceptable to him. And so he starts off, Uh, in verses 1 to 5 by saying this. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Christ Jesus was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain, So again I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by works of the law or by believing what you heard? And what Paul is saying here, he's saying, I showed you Jesus. I showed you Jesus crucified and risen and that your salvation comes through that. And if you started by putting your faith in Jesus, wouldn't you want to continue by putting, keeping your faith in Jesus? Why would you change? Why would you change your trust from being in Jesus to something else? You should continue as you started. Just keep going. Do you want me to change microphones? All right. Then I'll have three microphones. (laughs) Should I just keep going while we wait for the mic? All right. Well, I'm going to drink first. All right. So, he's saying, if you started with Jesus, 
and faith in Jesus, just continue with your faith in Jesus. You don't need to add in anything else. You don't need to add in the law and your extra works. You just continue as you began. It's like if I caught a plane from Sydney to LA and I'm on the plane and I'm flying there and, and I'm halfway, oh, here we go, ready? Am I here? Oh, great. Hey. And now I'm just trying to get my pants right. Where were we? I was on a plane. All right, so it's, we're continuing as we began. So it's like I'm on a plane and I'm flying from Sydney to LA and then we're halfway there and then I get up and I walk up to the flight attendant and I'm like, great, thanks so much for taking me this far. It's been really good, I've had a great time, but you just need to let me out here and I will go the rest of the way. And the flight attendant will be like, no, you can't. We are like 10 kilometers above the Pacific Ocean right now. If we let you out here, you will die and everyone else will die. You can't do it. I was like, yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. I can do it. I'm fine. Like, I can, I, I can, look, I just want to be able to contribute a little bit to this trip. So just let me off here. I will be fine. They're like, you cannot do that. You will definitely not be fine. We will all die. Like, it's absurd. I cannot do it. I could not do it. There's no way it would work. And that's kind of like what is going on here. Because they are people who are following Jesus, they've got their trust in Jesus, and now they're like, oh, maybe, maybe if we can contribute something, that'll be pretty good. Maybe if we can just add in something other than faith in Jesus, like obeying the law, then that will be a good addition to things. But Paul is saying, no, you cannot add in the law, because it doesn't work like that. If you add in the law, then you are bound to the whole thing. You're bound to all 613 laws, and you're doing it yourself. It's, you've either got to trust in Jesus or you've got to trust in yourself, but you can't get both of them happening together. And so, uh, so Paul goes on then to talk about Abraham. You saw that bit where he talks about Abraham believed God and was credited to him as righteousness. Well, what he's saying there is he's saying that, you know, these guys would come along and say, look, if you're obeying the law, the law came to us through Moses. Because Moses went up on the mountain, God said, you know, here are the Ten Commandments and, and here's... 603 more, and, uh, and gave them the, the law and, they, and Moses brought it down and then they had to live it out to obey God. And, but uh, Paul is saying, well, that Moses gave you this law, but Abraham came before that. And Abraham was saved because he trusted God. He wasn't saved because he obeyed the law. The law didn't come for a long time afterwards. It was through trusting in God that Abraham was made righteous. And so it is through faith in the promise that God has given. It was through faith that you can be saved. It was through faith that Abraham was saved. It was trusting in Jesus, not that Abraham knew Jesus, but it was through Jesus that Abraham could be saved. It was through trust that Abraham could be saved and made righteous. And so that is where we start. That Abraham and the promise came to Abraham uh, before there was even the Jewish nation. And the promise was to, for him and that he would be a blessing to all the nations. So if you're not a Jew, then you can still partake in this blessing through trusting in Jesus without having to do all these things set out in the Old Testament. And then Paul goes on to say that the law is even a curse, that if you try and do all these things, it becomes a curse, which is a pretty bold thing to say, to say all this stuff that God said uh, that is a curse. Like, you probably don't want to be saying that generally. Like, if I picked up the Bible and said, this is a curse, you would be like, get out. But, but Paul is saying that it, it becomes a curse. Because if you bind yourself to the law, then the law 
becomes a burden for you. You are bound to all of it. You have to fulfill all of it. All the little bits, all the big bits, all of it is there that you have to do. And you can't do it all. It's going to be a curse to you. Not that the law itself is bad, but when you try and take it on, it becomes a curse. I'll give you an example. I am someone who every now and again, I decide that I want to become buff. I'm like, yeah, I think I need some more muscles. And so I think this, and then Facebook hears this, and then they put ads in my Facebook feed and my Instagram feed. And I see all these muscly men, and I see advertisements for Freeletics and MyFitnessPal, and there's like these, this fat man and then this really muscly man. It's like, I used the app for three days, and look at me now. And so I see this, I'm like, oh, wow, that's, oh, I should do that. That'll be great. And so the most recent time this happened was uh, in December last year, I downloaded the Nike Fitness app, and I was like, I'm going to get so buff. And so I downloaded it, and there were like videos which showed you how to do what you needed to do. And I was like, this is really good. And so I put it on my TV in the lounge room, and I was like, here I am, ready to go. I'm going to get like the body of Captain America from the comfort of my own home. It's going to be great. And so I, I did, the, did the first one. It was called Core Crunch 2.0. And uh, I crunched my core. I did some push-ups and some sit-ups. And, uh, and then it told me I had to do a bear walk. And I didn't know what a bear walk was. I was like, oh, oh. It wasn't like that. I had to walk on my hands and my feet. And go, I was like, I've never seen a bear walk like that. And so I tried it. And then I had to walk forwards and then backwards. And I'm like, this is very odd. And I'm very uncoordinated. And I was like, I'd rather be the bear that's hibernating right now. <laughs> and then Emily walks in and she sees me and she just laughs at me because I do not look like a bear or like a person doing the bear walk. I just look like an uncoordinated fool. And so then I sent her away. And then I did that a few more times. And then the buff man on screen was like, well done. And I was like, thanks. So I was like, no abs yet. And then... Uh, and then a few days later, I did it again, and I was even less coordinated, and I had less core strength. It was the worst. And then, and then I stopped. <laughs> but my app didn't decide that I should have stopped. My app keeps reminding me. It's like, Tom, you're only two, two core strength workouts through your core strength workout regime, and you've got about 670 more to go. And I was like, oh, man. And then it can, you know, it, it wants me to, to become buff, and, and the whole thing just becomes a curse to me. And what I mean is this. It gives me these standards that I will never live up to. It tells me that I have to work out all the time if I want to achieve greatness. And these people that I see on screen that are held up to me as the ideal, they don't do the, you know, core core workout three times a week for 20 minutes in their lounge room. Like, I'm never going to get the body I want by doing that. It's an unattainable ideal because I have to be in the gym all the time and I have to have a strict regime and I have to have my genes perfect. Not these genes, my genetics. And then I will look like them. But it, it's impossible. So, so it gives, it's a curse because it's too much. And it's a curse because I can't attain it. And it's a curse because it just... It, just wants me to keep doing it. If I do it, I'm stuck in it forever. And, you know, the judgment of my app is not as bad as the judgment of God. It's just like passive-aggressive notifications <laughs> on my iPhone. But in the law, it's a, you have this ideal that you have to live up to. And if you want to obey God, you can give it a shot, but you'll be stuck in it forever because it's always on you then. And the, the ideal that holds up for you is, is unattainable. You can't get there. You can give it a shot, but you won't get there. 
And if you don't achieve it, then you will face the judgment of God. And so, that, so the curse, the, the law becomes a curse, not because the law itself is a curse, but if you bind yourself to it, it will become a curse to you. And so this is, this is what it's saying to us about the law. And so he's saying, do you want to bind yourself to this curse? Well, then he goes on to say that Jesus becomes the curse for us. That Jesus was the only one who truly fulfilled God's law. Jesus is the only one who was the perfect man who lived up to the law that was provided. The law, the promise came not, it came to everyone, but it particularly came for one person, the seed, and that was Jesus Christ. That he would die on a cross and become a curse for us. That all of us who deserve the curse of God, all of us who deserve the judgment of God, the curse falls on Jesus instead. And so we get set free from our sin. And so now we are saved not by obeying the law, but by trusting in Jesus. This is the promise that comes to us. Because, because the promise is better than the law. Because we can achieve the promise. Because it's not about us. It's about trusting in Jesus. So the, the great thing in all this is that it means that you and I, all of us who are not Jewish, and all of us who are Jewish, all of us can inherit the promise of God. All of us can achieve it because of that one man, Jesus, who fulfilled the law and became a curse for us. All of us can inherit the promise, and so the promise is better than the law because it's for all of us, and it comes without our hard work, but through the goodness of Jesus. So that's what he's saying to us in this passage. But chances are you guys are not dealing with this problem right now. You probably don't have any Judaizers in your ears saying, oh man, you should be obeying that law. That's probably not a thing for you. But there is stuff that we can learn now. Because I think there is still a temptation for us to add to Jesus. To say that there is more for us to do. That we we might have started with faith in Jesus, but we need to add a few things on to, to, you know, start paying off our salvation. You know, when you first become a Christian, you can be all gung-ho for the gospel and all about grace and all, all excited that God has saved you in His Son, Jesus. But then we start feeling like, oh, you know, this is a big thing. Maybe I should be doing a little bit myself. Maybe, you know, I should be pulling my weight a little bit. And so we try and add in things. Are we, if I can show you how this might work, maybe you are struggling with a particular sin. And so you say, well... To deal with this sin, I could trust in Jesus. And, you know, that's what we should do. But that's, you know, that seems too easy. Maybe I should say some special prayers. Or maybe I should, you know, read the right books. Or I should do the right program. And then I'll be free from the sin. Like, imagine that I've got this particular sin problem. That I have this problem of covetousness. I I covet my neighbor's potatoes. (laughs) That's not a euphemism. I just mean actual potatoes. Uh, and, And so I'm... I'm sitting, and I sit at home and I, I, I hear my neighbors chopping up potatoes and, and I, they deep fry them or they roast them and I'm like, oh, I want those potatoes. They're so much better at potato than I am. And I know that there is a sin in me, so I'm like, I need to do something about this. So first, I decide to pray a prayer of potato protection over me. <laughs> and I'm going to pray this prayer every day for se- seven days and then I'll be free from my potato covetousness. And I do this for seven days, but I am still not free. So I think, well, what else will I do? Oh, gosh, I will build a wall. (laughs) That seems to work. So I build a wall, 
And then I can't hear the potatoes, I can't smell the potatoes, I do not see the potatoes. I have solved the potato problem. Then I look at my wall and I'm like, what a great wall. And then I realize that I've swapped the sin of covetousness for the sin of pride because I've been so good at dealing with my potato problem that I just feel great. So I tear down the wall and I'm like, I need something else. And I'm like, I know what I will do. I will do a special Bible reading program. 40 days of potato purpose. And I will be free. I'll be free of my potato covetousness. And so I do that. And I do that 40 days for 90 days because I forget to read it most days and then I have to go back and start again because I don't remember where I am. And then I'm 20 days in and then I just give up. And then I go into despair because I can't deal with my potato problem. No matter how much work I put in, I cannot achieve freedom from my sin. Because the solution is not me doing more stuff. The solution is me trusting in Jesus. Because that's where the truth is. That's where salvation is. That's where I started. And where I started, I need to continue. If I started with Jesus, I need to continue with Jesus. The same Jesus that saves me is the same Jesus that changes me. And so I continue with Jesus. For all of us, whatever we are facing, whatever spiritual inadequacy we find that we have, whether it's in our sin, in our greed, in our lust, whether it's in our faith or our doubt, whatever it is, the solution is not to do more, but to trust in Jesus. Because when I trust in Jesus, then he shows me his adequacy for me. If I am dealing with covetousness, then I see that I have enough in Jesus. That my problem is not that I need to do more, but I see that I have been given everything in him. And that I have been unsatisfied with what my neighbor has. But that if I look at Jesus, I can see that he has given me every spiritual blessing in himself. That I don't need to look over there to see, I just need to look here at Jesus and see that I've got it all. And then I say, Jesus, please change my heart so that you are enough for me. Because it's faith in Jesus that will change me, not all the extra work. And then the prayers that I do, if they are from faith in Jesus, they will be powerful. And then the, 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 the spiritual programs that I do, if they come from faith in Jesus, they can be useful. But it's not because of work, it's because it's Jesus who changes me. I continue as I began, because the same Jesus who saves me is the same Jesus who changes me. And then there is freedom for us, because we are free from having to achieve and achieve and achieve. We are free from having to climb our own spiritual mountains. We are free from being the ones who have to, to win every battle because it's Jesus who's done it for us. We trust in him. We say he is enough. It's Jesus who will get us there. If you are a Christian, then what this means for you is that you get to continue the way that you began. You don't need to feel guilty because you haven't done enough. Jesus has done enough for you. You don't have to feel afraid because you might not be getting it right. Jesus got it right for you. You can just put your trust in him and know that in him there is everything that you need. Now that's really easy to say, but it's hard to do. And that's why we get a whole lifetime to keep working at it, to keep coming back to Jesus and saying, Jesus, help me to trust you more. Keep, help me to trust you more. Continue as you began. The same Jesus who saves you is the same Jesus who changes you. 
And if you are not a Christian, then what this means for you, that there is good news here, that there is a God and he loves you. And he's not waiting for you to achieve spiritual greatness, to be a morally good person before he accepts you into his family. He's not waiting for you to obey everything in the Bible before he loves you. He loved you before you even existed. He sent his son Jesus to die for you so that you might be forgiven. He took the curse of God's judgment for you so that you might be set free. That all you have to do is say, I'm going to trust you, Jesus. And then I can be part of God's family. I can be forgiven for my sin and I can live forever with you. If you are someone who has not put your trust in Jesus, then Jesus wants to save you. And then he wants to be with you all the way to the end of your life because the same Jesus who will save you is the same Jesus who will change you and be with you for eternity. I'm going to say a prayer for us. Father God, we thank you for your word. And though it is confusing at times, it is in the complexity that we can find so much gold. And so we pray, Lord God, that we will continue to dig into your word and we will love it. Lord God, please forgive us for the ways that we have tried to add to your salvation, that we have thought that we could be more, that we could add to what Jesus has done. Please help us to trust in him. Please help us to know that there is not guilt attached to us, but we are free because of Jesus, that he took the curse for us. Please help us to know this freedom and live in it and trust in him so that we can continue to grow in him. That we would know that the same Jesus who saves us, the same Jesus who changes us now and forever. Amen. Well, that was the talk, and I hope it was helpful for you. If you want more talks, or to read my blog, or order my book, or even to book me to speak, remember to go to tomfrench.com.au. It's my home on the internet. You can also find me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash TWFrench or on Insta at TWFrench. And don't forget to give this podcast a rating and review wherever you get your podcast so that other people might be able to discover it too. Till next time, have a good one.